Hello everyone, welcome to the B2B Power Hour. I am really excited to have my guest today, Eddie Manum. Eddie has been everywhere. And, you know, originally we were talking about a few things on LinkedIn. In particular, are we bigger than the name we wear on our back? And he kept showing up and he kept going and diving in and we got deeper. And then he says, Nick, we need to dive into this on the B2B Power Hour. And I'm like, yeah. You know what? You're right. This is something that deserves to be talked about. And so, Eddie, Mr. EB3 man, let's get this going. Absolutely. So, look, I think this is a, a subject that's not talked about enough, right? I mean, like you were saying before, like, are we bigger than the name that's on our back? Bigger than the name that we are in our jersey? And I think a million percent yes, right? We have this, call it this norm or stigma or whatever you want to call about this notion that as salespeople, we're continuously selling ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more than that, right? And I want to break it down a little bit. And with your help, you know, with the knowledge that you bring to the table, I think you can really elaborate well on this. And I'll, I'll jump right into it. Yeah. So when you first start out in sales, you're always going to get that pitch from the people that you work for on the idea that, you know, people are buying into you. Mm-hmm. you, know, you are the brand. Or there's so many different ways of saying it. Like you're at the front line. You're the face of the company. That pressure, right? It... it it sometimes gets really tough as a person because in your mind, you're like, I got to keep selling me, selling me, selling me all the time consistently. Yeah. But if a salesperson truly understands the spectrum here, and this is how I define it, you have you and the product, and then you have the end user, right? And I think there's two sides of the spectrum. You're going to have on one side of the spectrum, there's a large form of need. And on the other side, there's going to be a low form of need for the end user. Now, the lesser the need on the end user side, the more an individual salesperson needs to sell themselves. Whereas I think if there is a larger need from the end user, the less the salesperson has to, sorry, to sell themselves. And I'll elaborate, I'll explain. Yeah, yeah. And I was telling Nick about this before. So think about it like if you need detergent, right? And you need to wash your clothes and you run out. It's the last minute, the last hour. You're gonna go to the store And even if there was literally one bottle left of detergent, if it was Tide or it was generic brand, it doesn't matter. There's a huge need for it because you got to wash, let's say, your uniform for work in the morning. Mm -hmm. You're going to buy that brand. It doesn't matter what it is. But if let's just say you're strolling down in Costco and somehow you see a salesperson trying to sell a specific brand and you don't need detergent, you're full up. But that person stops you and immediately in the first 10 seconds builds trust And we know that sales is all about trying to build trust, right? You're building relationships. And the salesperson really instills that trust in you about this brand and the amount of value that it could bring to you as an end user, as a purchaser buyer, you could potentially buy that product, even Mm -hmm. though you don't need it. But that person sold themselves so well and made you believe, and it sucks to say the word believe, but truly they made you believe into the brand and into themselves. And I think this is where, as salespeople, we have to understand this disconnect and reconnect back. If you do, and this is probably going to be a subject we're getting into, if the brand is strong enough, it will make it easier, yes, for the salesperson to sell the product. But if it isn't, the salesperson has to work 10, 20x, 30x, 50, 100x, sometimes harder, to try and sell that product. Which is why sometimes you're going to have the cold game be kind of so stigmatic. Because you have somebody who's on the other side of the line calling you that you don't know and have no idea about what this product is that's trying to pitch you on something completely new with zero trust factor. Mm -hmm. Zero trust factor. 
So now this person on the other end of the line has to have 100% selling themselves. Unless the end user knows the product already, at that point, your ratio will eventually grow onto the larger side of the need. Mm -hmm. But you always start out in cold at zero. You're always starting at zero for the larger portion of the need. So you're starting off as selling yourself and you're building towards that. If you're lucky, maybe the other side, they'll know something about the product or maybe they know all about it and they've been leaning and getting into it, hopefully going into that buy. And that's when usually some SDRs are really lucky and they'll just land that meeting for an AE or maybe full, sales, like, uh, full cycle salespeople will get lucky and say, wow, this is great. You know, I mean, I didn't know that you had a need for this and I'm super excited to just, you know, help you out, make sure that we close this properly and move on to the next stage for some sort of service or support level. Hmm. So that's kind of my two cents. Yeah. Makes me think of uh, going back to like why at, at first they know the problem because it's felt. They can, they can see it. They can feel it. They know the pain. So the question isn't, is this a problem? The question is, why you? Because yes. they're already that they're in that further down the line. But I think what I'm hearing is we're going back a step. And when it comes to the need, it's why now? Why change? And that change, like you said, is trust and credibility. But we have to go and take that step back. And we're now selling something bigger. Now we're, we're, we're actually helping them facilitate change. And a big part of that comes from trust, which is likability and credibility. You know, do they, are you likable? Are you like them? You know, playing on that social psychology. And I think another part of it is that credibility. Do you know your stuff? Like you were saying, like, I, I, and I love this. If you have the best product, you're a category killer, but you don't know a freaking thing about it. Yeah, not let's you. jump into that. Let's jump right into that. I know yeah. one of the subjects we spoke about is you have also these two types of salespeople. I mean, there's different types. So let's talk about the two kind of general types. You're mm. going to have the closers and, you know, open closers, whatever you want to call them, the full sales cycle of salesmanship. But then you're also going to have the salespeople that are very technically, let's say, inclined. They're very aware of the product or the service. They know the ins and outs, right? It's like you're hiring somebody who's read the user guide of something. <laughs> they know the ABC, they know the entire dictionary of that product or service. Mm -hmm. Here's the biggest issue that we see. Certain salespeople, right? They're going to have this inflated ego about how great they are in sales. And yes, you may be able to sell any product, but what happens when you meet a potential buyer who's also technically savvy within that specific product range or industry or let's say service or whatever it may be? How do you then overcome that challenge, mm -hmm. right? There needs to be a form of mixture between both. You can't just have one or the other. We do see it a little bit in SaaS. We see it in tech where you're going to have a little bit of a division where you're going to have, let's say, your SDR who's mm -hmm. trying to bring, of course, the lead to the AE and the AE is the closing man or woman. And then you're going to have the customer success team or support. And I think it's good to have it to some degree, but I think there needs to be a point of contact that can deliver at least on some level for all three. Because when and Absolutely. if an end user comes back to this individual and asks a specific pertinent question about that product or service, they need to be at least aware of the fundamental things that have to do with this product or service so that they don't have to drive away the conversation and make the person feel less trust in the initial person who brought them on board to buy either this product or service. You're touching on something that really bugs me. <laughs> Tell me, man. I'm good with it. <laughs> 
it, when I started, we were full cycle. And the reason why this bugs me is because of trust. We establish credibility, but part of that trust is making promises and then keeping them so that they realize the value that you promised. I think there's a million percent, but you play a dangerous game when you split up the, the actual purchase, whatever, you know, however you're setting that up and then you hand it off to someone to deliver value. How? Thank you. That's a conversation I just had yesterday with somebody who was last night, actually talking about the disconnect that you have in the tech game in comparison to the old mentality in the old sales cycle. Back then you would have a salesperson who's in charge of the prospecting. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, we're, I want to break this down because this is a subject about prospecting that too many people talk about who don't understand my, my viewpoint. Mm-hmm. There's marketing prospecting mm-hmm. and there's sales prospecting. We're not going to go into the nitty gritty of it. For any person who is in sales, you should already know what I'm talking about. The sales portion of it, right? When we were full cycle, you were going out there and hunting and bringing the lead in. Mm-hmm. The marketing aspect was trying to create, to create this exposure to capture attention. That's mm-hmm. the idea. Yes, we're out there, we're capturing attention. Then the salesperson goes out, hunts and finds and brings it in, right? You hunt, you bring in the meat. At that point, you would be the person, the key person that your end user would entrust. So if there was any questions at all whatsoever, this end user knew who went, who to, sorry, who to go to. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're seeing is in tech more than ever, they have this, this echelon, this kind of this architecture of, we're starting out with this BDR or SDR, even sometimes BDR to SDR, and then going from an SDR to an AE, and then from an AE to a contract, sometimes contract renewal or contract signer, then from contract signer to support or success. So you're talking about a range of three to five, potentially more individuals within the sales process. When did this become so elaborate? And there's can, an can end I answer user. that? Can I answer Please, that question? Yes. yes. Because it's easier for them to sell. Of course. Is the it, handoff everybody is says they're buyer centric. How is it buyer centric? No. Are you buying the way they want to buy or are you selling the way you want to sell? They're so selling how, the way they want to sell and they're creating that handoff and they're literally controlling the outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's the tough part because although, and I get one thing, the segmentation that you see mm-hmm. within these BDR, SDR, AE success, I know that they're doing one thing and I've spoken to leaders in this. Yep. They say one of the biggest reasons they do this is to keep this position doing the same thing over and over and over. Yeah, that specialization of they, trade. I get that. Yeah. But within there's certain things, certain positions that you can't do that with. And sales, there's a level of knowledge that has to stay with an individual to be able to bring that back to an end user. Mm-hmm. Because when the end user is confused as to who to go to, it becomes a problem for the organization. And if an AE or an SDR sold them on this idea and the end user comes back to success after and says, well, this AE told me this. <laughs> and even if it's in your CRM, sometimes we know it doesn't because it's happened to me like anybody else. I'm told by an SDR, blah, 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 pitch, 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 always same shit tells me this specific thing, I'll come back after when customer success and I'll say, yeah, but that individual told me that this is what I would get in this specific tier package. Oh, well, we're going to have, just let us, uh, we're going to send you an email or we'll, we'll call you back, <laughs> blah, 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 shit, 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 bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And then you end up getting a response that was completely outside the range of what you were looking for. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not even the same subject. Yeah. Like I was talking about apples. You were telling me about oranges. 
Like, this is why I wanted to talk to him. Well, you know, we try to keep this person to do this. When they said that to me, I was, I felt embarrassed in the sales community. I'm like, this is not what sales is. Like, I was, I grew up and I was taught the idea that if a customer wanted something, they would come to the person who sold it to them because they looked to you and they trusted you to bring value to them. That's my worry now, is that we're getting too transactional. Way too and, transactional. And the dangerous thing is, is if you get too transactional, you will be replaced. They've shown with AI and machine learning and even some of the, I think it was Google Duplex, where they had that phone call and it booked the meeting and you, it used mannerisms that we would, uh, and like did the stumble. They didn't even know. It passed the Turing test. Wow. And so now wow. we talk about this and now we're even talking about like Cyrano has shown that you can actually bring EI, emotional intelligence with machine mm -hmm. learning by teaching it how to think. So if you're super transactional, how long are you going to have a job? Not long. We, we talked about this on a stream two days ago, actually, right on the first uh, for GTM games, by the way, shout out to Hype Cycle on that one. Just genius. So we were talking about in the post game chat about mm -hmm. people being people. And if people were not people, what would they be? So there was some pretty big answers, but I, can't, I went last and I said, look, I think if it's not people, it's automation. I think it's bots. I think it's AI. And I said it cleanly. I said it's machine learning or AI. And I think people in sales on the lower echelon are going to have to have a really big fear of this because we see more and more day over day in the digital age how these automations are getting the end user from top of funnel right down to the bottom of the funnel mm -hmm. without any human interaction in between. It's a matter of if you landed on that page, you better be careful. You got on that page and if you filled anything that has anything to do with that page or even if the cookies, whatever it is, that email gets found. Hey, blah, 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 sequence one, sequence two, six, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, until the point where you have an individual that had his meeting booked automatically and oh. the AE jumps on that phone call. That, that was it. Yeah. It, and it's on one level. It's super impressive on the other. It's super concerning. Mm -hmm. It, I asked somebody the other day, I was like, they're like, you know, this thing about people preferring to go and do like the digital self-serve and like access sales people remotely is BS. It, it doesn't exist. I'm like, cool. Do you, how many times have you bought off of Amazon? And they <laughs> went just, just stared at me. And I'm like, how many times have you so genius? How many times have you got mad? Cause Amazon didn't carry a product. Cause going back to what you said at the start, Eddie, it's trust. I trust. Yeah. That it's, it's not the product. I trust Amazon to make it right. I trust Amazon to get it to me safe. That is Agreed. the trust factor. So now if we go and have these e-commerce type plays where, like you were saying, like the machine learning might be going and aiding that as well. What is to say? Because right now they're saying that something about 50% of people, of buyers right now in the B2B space, have spent more than $50,000 on a purchase with a, with a buy now button. Wow. That just goes to tell you that eventually, and I mean, look, we, we need to say, we need to be more transparent than ever. Salespeople are not going to become obsolete. No, no, they're not. It's always going to be a trade that's needed, but here's the question on what level. Mm. And I get shivers saying it, but it's the <laughs> truth on what level.
Mm -hmm. I've been a salesperson the majority of my life and I help others in selling. But if you don't adapt to what's coming, you're either in or you're in the way. And you need to understand what level you're playing at. Mm -hmm. If you're going to go backwards and keep playing the same old game, you're going to get left behind. Ooh. And that's the problem that we're seeing. You can keep shooting for the stars with your BDR, SDR role, and I'm cool with that. But I think the ones that are going to stay alive are going to be AE for now. For now, AE and customer success. I think those are going to be the roles who are going to be, you know, perpetually at least or even progressively be there for quite a while. And also this is a subject we'll get into in a second, but... And I think after that, even, and it's sad to say, but this is an opinion. And for the listeners, I mean, you can, you can bash me for this and I'm cool with it. But I think there's going to be a point where even AEs, because of machine learning and AI, will no longer be needed. What I think will be needed, and this is a, and look, I'm playing a finicky game and I'm playing a yeah, very yeah. fragile game. I'm listening. But let me explain my thought process here. I think on some level, and this is the keyword again, on some level, certain AE roles will not be needed. And this is how much I can elaborate. Okay. Just like Amazon, you don't need a salesperson to get you to that buy now button. Nope. If and when companies are able to adapt digitally, properly, on a very good marketing level, mm -hmm. they'll be able to get that person to buy. Just like right now, even in SaaS, you see it every day. People don't need a salesperson to go buy a package. The second they buy it, everything is post-sale. It's not pre and it's not during, it's not present. Mm -hmm. Top post. These are the companies that are at the forefront of this. They're the ones displaying it. They're showing that we don't even need salespeople to have them buy a package as long as we have such a capturing, let's say, um, landing page and people get what we're trying to do. And if your attention is there and we can help you do and facilitate what you're trying to accomplish, you're going to buy our product. And I think the post sales game is going to be where it's all at. For salespeople, they're not really post-sales. They're sales. That, it's the hunt that gives them the high. So what do you do then? Right? Is maintenance your game? I don't know. Are you going to consult on how to create the process digitally? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. That's why there's a fear. And the other thing on top of that, and I've just started seeing it, and I think you've seen it too because it came as a big subject. Like It started with uh, another tech company and then better had a big problem when they were letting their people go. Mm -hmm. This is not talked about enough. Too many tech, sorry, tech companies are growing at rates that I don't even know what the word for it. They're growing way too fast and they're hiring way too much. They're not growing too fast. They're getting funded. So. They're not growing. Well, thank you know what? Thank you for saying it that way. I can appreciate that. You're right. It's not organic. It's being funded. So that was my next point. These companies that get these series A, B, and C all the way to Z sometimes, they keep growing, right? And they keep hiring people. And then what do you need to do at that at one point? You're gonna have fill to consolidate. In, yeah, fill in the hole. And you're gonna have to consolidate. Can, oh, and so it, can I throw in one point great. that's driving me nuts too? They're not selling profitable business. No. And so they have to go for more funding rounds, even after consolidating, because they can't they can't finance the hole they dug because they got to wait three, six year, two years to go and be profitable on the business that was sold. But yet people are celebrated for closing those deals and it's not their fault. It's because they're being compensated on top line, but nobody wants to open up the doors to what is the margin. 
What is a profitable yet. account? How like how much time can I invest at, in sales development and navigating that sales process to close that deal and it's still profitable? That should be your I account strategy. More. Honestly, I'm going to ask you a question. I'd love to get your input on this. Yeah. There's a there's a tech company that recently went through a round. I'm not going to say their name, but I'm going to tell you the numbers. Yeah. And this to me was perplexing as shit. I till today I can't get it. I did the numbers. And for the life of me, I can't get how this makes sense. Yeah. You have a tech company that just went through a round of $400 million, right? And mm -hmm. I think it was their Series B. And they're evaluated. Their, their valuation is $4 billion. So right off the top, the, here's the numbers. They're doing 80 ARR right now, mm -hmm. right? Annual recurring revenue. And they're on track in the next year or two to make $200 million. So let's break it down even further. We haven't even talked about expenses yet, about how much out of that 400 million they're using towards growth on any level from events, right? To promotions, to advertising, to salaries. Mm -hmm. Salaries are, have become ridiculous. You're paying SDRs in certain companies now, anywhere between 60 to 80K just base. Forget about how much AEs are making at an even enterprise level. So if you take that expense, if you're making 80 ARR, how much of it do you actually think is going to be expensed on just salary? I think it could be anywhere between 15 to 20 million easily. Mm -hmm. Then after that, talk about your other expenses, right? Your locations, your headquarters, your this, your growth, your promotion, your everything in between, right? You can get up to maybe 50 million, 60 million in expenses. What's left? 30 million and then what's net profit after tax? Peanuts? So we're talking about a company that's doing 80, sorry, 80 ARR. And then when you get to 200 ARR, it might end up being 20 million in profit, but you're evaluated at 4 billion? Yeah. How does the, that P&E doesn't make any sense to me. They don't look at whatsoever. it because cost of goods sold, COGS. Yeah. Sales, they're like the salary and their very comp plan does not go under cost of goods sold. So what happens... What uh, I'm not even going to go and get into that. I know you that, we'll to, we'll, we'll get into that should. one another time. But I think I think it should. It's supposed to. But we'll get into it another day. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, then they get the next VC. Well, the next VC or PE firm has different consultants, different metrics. So what do they do? They go through the line items and they're like, "Holy crap, your HR is so inflated," and they fire people immediately. Start consolidating. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with an SDR getting paid 150 thousand. The thing is scalability and output. And the exactly. problem is that we're going to see smaller, mightier sales teams. And I'm thinking at least half, if not a third. You know, look at Justin Michael's book and how we looked at tech augmenting what we're doing and getting rid of the busy work so we can focus on the deeper work. The problem Absolutely. is these companies go after funding, but they don't look at the economics of their go-to-market. They don't look at the economics of securing new business or retaining or growing accounts. There's so much strategy that's just missing because people are just doing busy work to go and get revenue in the door. We're missing. I think FOMO. So FOMO is also a massive thing that people don't talk about. Mm. On the VC level, I think FOMO is a big thing. You see a company that's just tearing, tearing through and just opening doors, and you're like, I don't want to miss through this. Mm. Right? Like we saw what happened with, let's say, for example, I'm not going to even name names, but you've seen it. You'll see with one company, you're like, my God, I wish I would have came in early. Then yep. you see this other company who's just all over the map, 
advertising locally, physical marketing, and then guerrilla mm. marketing, and then they're doing digital marketing, and then doing social marketing, all these different types of marketing. And you're like, I got to get in on this. Their name is getting bigger, not just day, but minute over minute. So they put up these big numbers and say, this is what we think is going to help you get to X, Y, Z. But then you look at the overall valuation and you're like, if I'm hearing this correctly, for $4 billion, do you know how many memberships you have to sell <laughs> right now at the 400 million that I just gave you? Even if you tell me it's a five-year plan, that's a ton of memberships. Yeah. And the thing is, we're so convoluted with this information about these big tech valuations, but real financial, like people in the finance game would get this, right? Like the price per earning makes no sense whatsoever. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to turn a profit on your $4 billion valuation, you'd have to sell $4 billion worth of membership, but you're not. So where's the disconnect here? Am I crazy? Or is it that people just love big valuations people so that like they can to buy get the more future. investors in? People like to buy the future and they're always doing, they're, they're always putting the shiniest thing out there. But I actually, if you don't mind, I'd love to change gears just because you sure. brought up something that I just, we can't, we cannot exclude it from our conversation. And you had something about humanizing the sale and yes. the seller. Can you dive into that a little bit? Cause it, it's so good. Yeah, dude, absolutely. So after talking to you know a variety of different salespeople from BDR, SDR, AE, full cycle, outside salespeople, there's one thing that we're seeing more than ever. And when I'm talking to them, you get this vibe of this robotic salesmanship. And it happens more and more year over year. You'll see it in people that are running scripts. You'll see it in people that are told that you can't do this. You have to only do this because unfortunately this is part of the norm due to let's say certain circumstances that might've happened in the past mm -hmm. that we hear all the time. Like a client said this, so they go back to the, let's say to the salesperson or whatever cycle you're in, don't do this, mm -hmm. right? What ends up happening is if you don't give the freedom to the salespeople, and again, with reason, we need to make sure we disclaim that with a reason. If you give freedom to a salesperson to do what they believe is necessary, to close the deal, not just so they can impose the product or service on a person, but mm -hmm. truly on a need level, yeah. like I'm trying to sell you this because I truly believe you need it. Mm -hmm. and you humanize it, you create a conversation, not a pitch. This, those are the key words. If you create a conversation, not a pitch, you will succeed. And when I'm trying to teach salespeople that specific concept, that light bulb moment is insane. It's like, look, I need you to stop pitching. I need you to start talking. I need mm -hmm. you to start conversing with people. Don't call them and do that whole, the reason for my call is today, and then go into it. You don't need to do minutes that. minutes and don't let them the talk. Five, yeah, do you, have, <laughs> do you have four minutes? You have seven minutes? I had one guy call me, he's like, do you have three minutes? I'm like, look, I probably have more, but to be frank, when he told me the name of his company, I knew what it was and I knew I didn't need it. So I just said, look, based on my own tech stack, unfortunately I don't. Yeah. But when they try to play that game off, it sounds super pitched, mm -hmm. like way too pitched and good business people, and let's just define it, good business people catch it. Some more oblivious. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. I can't control that. I can't control how people think. But good business people will catch it. Now, good, good business people, what they appreciate, and you would know this, is honesty, mm -hmm. right? Good conversation, wholesome conversation. Like, dude, just talk to me. Tell me what do I get out of this? What does my business benefit from using XYZ? That's what I want to know. Now if we're getting to the sense, money. 
right? If it makes sense for me as a business, as an individual, mm -hmm. here's my attention. Take it. Paper, attention. Here you go. Go ahead. Take it. Now, bring that paper back and tell me what do I get out of it, right? It's just that too many salespeople have been ingrained with this idea that it has to be a specific way. And it's not really their fault. A lot of the time it falls down to the company, the yeah. organizations that have been built this way because they want things to be this in this specific fashion. They believe that there needs to be this, this robotic way of working like we talked about earlier with yeah. this hierarchy, right? It mm -hmm. needs to be step by step by step by step by step. And we talked about this earlier. So I had a gentleman from a big tech company that I was talking to and he came to me saying that in his sequence, he had this pre-made template that he had to follow. Mm -hmm. And it sounds super scripted. I made him say it to me. And like literally after two sentences, I'm like, stop, just stop. <laughs> you sound so scripted. Mm -hmm. Like where's the human element here? When you called me, you said the good old fashioned, the reason for my call today is this. And I told him from my end, what I was taught from a very good mentor of mine was when you get on, get on the phone, you can do it in so many different ways. You can start off with something as simple as this. Like, hey, Eddie from XYZ, and then get into value. Mm -hmm. I'm just here today to give you XYZ because I think based on what I've done my research for your company, we align very well together. Mm -hmm. And as an end result, I think we can do XYZ together. The keyword together is powerful, right? Yeah. When you make it a conversation about how together we can achieve a better end result, the people listen because the people want to know how together you can achieve greatness. But if it's just a company and a brand, and all you're speaking about is that brand specifically, the person needs to be sold on you and the brand. Yeah. But if the person's just sold on you first, they don't give a shit what brand you're selling. Because the level of trust that you put into that conversation, you could have sold them shit and that person would have bought it. Because you were there to fulfill a need. That's what it was all about. So you're, you're on something that's so good because there's only two reasons why people know a solution. They know their problem too. Is yes. it's either it's a commodity or really good demand gen, really good marketing. So you those are the two. I step in a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to step in a second. So a conversation about, it was right before Christmas. And I said, great salespeople. And I mean like great salespeople know this. If you're good, you create the problem. If you're sorry, if you're good, you create the problem. If you're great, you solve it. Oh. And that's how you become a great salesperson. Because if you're on the phone or in person, you can create the problem in conversation. Make them tell you the pain point. Right after that, you bring in, you know, you bring in your ace, bring in the solution. Subtle, yeah. obviously. Don't sound pitchy. But a great salesperson would know this. So sorry, I'll, I'll bring it back to you. You, you, you're on you're you went exactly where I was going to go. And I was going to say the reason why salespeople aren't going anywhere soon is too many people assume that buyers know what they need. And this 100%. is the greatest issue that's going on in sales right now is because complex B2B buyers are usually buying for the first time and they actually need us to guide them through it. This is why it's so critical to know about you like who your customer profiles are, who you need to bring in. I've had quite a few times where I've sat down with a, a buyer and they're like, okay, let's, let's go. Well, usually when we go through this process, you actually usually have this person, this person, and this person sitting in because it affects all of them. Do you think that we should involve them? 
Oh, that that, that would be amazing. Actually, yeah. Absolutely. Do you mind if I invite them in? Yeah, and we usually have to go through this step, this step, and this step in order for you to buy. Do you mind if we get that started so we don't get you know locked up later? Because I know you have this deadline of this is you know this needs to happen so that this you know. Uh, but this is complex sales, right? Absolutely. There's a great tip for that actually. So, the more people in the room, the better chances for up and cross sell. That's something that's not spoken about enough. So, an idea is a powerful thing. We know this. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you emphasize on that? When you have one person in the room, there's a lot of self-doubt. That person's creating that self-doubt. Now, when you have more people in the room, there's more validation. There's more people validating the idea of the opposition. And not only that, if the opposition being the salesperson comes to the table and creates further ideas, such as supplementary things, mm -hmm. supplementary services or products, what ends up happening is it builds on a timeline. And I've seen this and you've seen this. You're going to have an initial buy. It's the commencement process of the deal. But eventually what ends up happening is there's other minds involved. The other minds contribute to further purchases, either through the same type of purchase or it could be crossed right? It could be different types of services or different types of products that either complement or just elevate the first initial product, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And that's what's great about having more people involved. But how many, and this is a question I'd love to ask you, how many salespeople truly go out of their way to ask the buyer if they can include other decision makers or even other people into their sales call? The more senior, the more people, because they just know. But I think, they I think that, but those one of the, the, they say the best lessons are learned through pain. Cause once you experience it, you never want to do it again. Like nobody, mm, lo yep. nobody loves the feeling of having a deal get derailed right at the last second because you miss something. But I think it, at, when you're junior, you're told to like avoid conflict. And as you get to more senior positions, you lean into the conflict because the conflict, oh, yeah. that that's how you go and score impact. What is the business case for me to even work with you? And it's not selfishly about me. It's about you. If there's no impact to your business, if there's no real value, then there is no value in us talking. I'm just wasting your time. And so that's the hard question, right? Like the account, like it the is. account strategy is, are you, can I really provide you value? If not, okay. Now we got to reassess. You, know, you touched on a really sensitive spot there. It happened to me being the buyer and it happened to me being the seller where unfortunately there was a point where I call it, I pissed off the buyer. Mm -hmm. I said something that they really didn't like, but the outcome of it was beautiful because I didn't get, I got pissed off because I was seeing the buyer getting taken advantage of. Mm. I switched my tone completely and they were not happy with the tone. It's not that they weren't happy with the context. They weren't happy with my tone, but when they realized I was pissed off for them, not at them, yeah. Everything changed because I'm there sitting and I'm saying, wait a minute, are you serious? And they're like, whoa, it's a little unprofessional. I'm like, look, I'm extremely sorry, but you have any idea what's happening in the background of that deal? Did you have any understanding of what's happening? They're like, well, you know, we would consider ourselves pretty learned in that situation, considering it took months. I said, look, it's not my place, but I'd like to give you a little bit of insight. If you permit me, and I'd like to speak candidly. They were gracious enough to say, we'll give you a minute. And I explained, I said, this is what's truly happening. Short term, wonderful, long term, horrendous. I said, these are the kind of deals 
where it's like McDonald's, right? It's great on the short term. It's horrible on the long term for your health. <laughs> and you have to understand that. You got sold McDonald's because there and then it smelled good. It tastes good. And boy, gosh, oh golly, it looked good. Like it was just perfect there and then. <laughs> but when you ate it and you ate it up, in the end, the next day, you know, do you need a lot of toilet paper or a little bit of toilet paper? Who knows? I'm just saying, is it, was it shit? I'm not saying McDonald's is, I mean, look, we all love McDonald's, but I'm giving you the concept here. It's just that you got to look at everything on a long-term basis. And when I brought to light, they were just, they had no idea what to say. I'm like, you just looked at the deal front-facing. It was a facade and it's cool. There was short-term value and I'm okay with that. But sometimes you got to look at things you know, outside the box and even, you know, kind of the 10,000 foot view. So <laughs> look, it is what it is. So. Never going to be able to look at McDonald's the same again. <laughs> it's just, that's my way of explaining to people. And you know what? That's a great way of explaining the whole, your competitor is, sorry, is cheaper. Or let's say your competitor has a better price. And that's if, and again, if you work for a quality company and you have a quality product, you should kind of sell it this way. Twist it in your own way. You don't have to use my McDonald's analogy or McDonald's, you know, <laughs> pitch, but you can kind of say it like that. Look, it's great that my competitor has that, you know, on the short-term basis. We all love McDonald's on the short-term, the night of or the day of, but, you know, would you rather have steak, gain that protein on a long-term basis, right? It's just the way you say it, you need to make them understand there and then short and long-term. Once they get it, I mean, most human beings, we talked about that familiarity concept, it's familiar to them. They get it and mm -hmm. they're going to buy into the long term more than just the short term. Absolutely. Eddie, we're at that time where I yes, throw the ball in your court and you get one question for me. What is one thing so, you'd like to ask? I'd love to know your thought process. We talked a little bit about kind of the disconnect in tech, but what I'd love to know is, do you think even with machine and AI and everything in between, we're going to be able to see more full sales cycle guys or girls, sorry, more full, uh, full cycle salespeople in general. Knowing, of course, and here's the thing, here's the caveat, knowing that eventually there may and will be more consolidation. Your, your, your top, this is a big question. And I think yeah. this, it's a good question. It's a it's really, like, it's a really good question. Yeah. And this, this comes down to RevOps. And are they going to come together and work as a team? Or are they going to stay siloed? Companies that silo their RevOps, this will never work for. And they'll continue until they lose momentum and they're not cost effective and the, the better models prevail. And, you know, there's going to be ones that stick around. They make it work at certain sizes. But to get big, I think what we're going to see is this, this sophistication of marketing where people are getting the access that they need at the time they need it. So when they come to us, 80 or 90% of the sales done, the only time they'll be talking to a salesperson is when they need a prescription or there's collaboration. If there isn't those two like things, that. they'll just keep going through. And I compare it to buying a suit. When you go to buy a suit, you know you need a suit. And it kind of comes down to your price and a few, like, few things. At the end of the day, you buy it. Where does the customization happen? It's not on the sales floor. It's when they've already bought and it's exactly. post transaction. And now that's when they get to see the real value when they step into that suit and go, holy crap, do I look good? And so we're going to yep. see this push to a know and grow 
So that we're gonna, I think we're gonna actually transition to more on sales actually playing a post-transaction role and helping people build their depth of knowledge through case studies or whatever it may be and actually helping them find value faster, realize that value and springboard into more purchases or scaling up because it's the best business case for them. I think we're on the exact same page going back to what I was saying earlier also about the customer success portion. Mm -hmm. I really think that's what it is. And the one thing I absolutely love that what you just said is about that bespoke kind of system, right? That tailoring of, and it's true. It really truly is true because at the end of the day, if you buy that suit, it always ends up happening after. You're not just going to let them tailor a suit and then you don't buy it. Yeah. First of all, not only are you wasting time, but you're wasting money. And mm -hmm. In certain companies, you just can't do that. So if they do adopt this specific vision that we're talking about, I think there's going to be a lot more successful companies out there. If they don't, I'm not saying they'll be left behind. It's just that there's going to be lower volume play and there's going to be you know, lower margins. Again, I don't want to get into it. It's another topic all on its own. But um, I'm just glad that at least we're on the same page when it comes to that. I think we're gonna have to go and do some more LinkedIn content together now. Oh where, God, yeah. Where where can people find you? Where do you want them to follow you? So LinkedIn is the best place for now, at least. I'm still constructing the website in the background, but when it's completed, I'll be able to showcase it, and I'll do some, you know, I'll do some outreach. Don't you worry. I've got a little trick on my sleeve. But for now, LinkedIn's the best way. It seems to be where most of the salespeople I deal with find me, and then we do a little bit of strategy. We talk, you know, we coach. I consult. Other than that, I would say. Um, telephone number also you know you can find that actually i would say reach out to me first on dm and then we'll talk about it after <laughs> we'll send it to people blowing up your out. phone <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's happened before and uh i learned my lesson let's just say i'm the learning type and i want to go backwards so. well thank you I'd say dming is the best way thank you for being so honest thank you for absolutely diving into some of these topics that most people kind of skirt around and that we got to dive in and add a little clarity Please, if you have other questions or you, we touched on something and you want us to go a little bit deeper, get in our DMs, go and comment Absolutely. on our posts and we will go and make that happen. But thank you so much for joining into this B2B Power Hour. Thank you Nick. very much, Nick. I really appreciate your time. We appreciate having you and happy selling. Always happy hunting. Did you love today's episode? Subscribe now to have our three weekly episodes waiting for you. And if you really like our content, please leave a five-star review. But if you're not ready to give us a review, check out another episode and follow us on LinkedIn. We'd love to win you over. See you next time. See you next time.